The QPR podcast is sponsored by XL Environmental, a pest control company based in Northolt and the Southeast. They provide for all your pest control needs, along with bird control, hazardous waste removal and ground maintenance. And they're Rangers fans, so if you call them on 0845 11 mention our podcast for a 10% discount. Spencer. Danny Maddox has made the run forward. He's lost out and he's won it back. A little bit fortuitous there, Queen's Park Rangers. What can Maddox do with it? He's delivered deep towards Sinclair. What a goal! Trevor Sinclair! 3-1 to QPR. And that is a goal that you will see time and time again. QPR! QPR! Queen's Park Rangers are on the Hello and welcome to Open All Ours, the QPR podcast. I'm David Fraser and I'm still bored from Saturday. Luckily, I have three fellow QPR fans here to um, de-bore me and maybe pick over the bones of Saturday. Um, we have, By the way, you would have heard, first of all, you would have heard at the top of the podcast, just before the theme tune, if Gabe has edited it right, you would have heard the commentary to a fantastic, iconic girl from QPR's history. We have that man, Trevor Sinclair, on the phone in a little bit. So uh, stay tuned, as they say, because the day we are recording this, not the day that you're listening to it, but the day we're recording this um, was 19 years from the day since that goal right let me introduce um who i have with me my colleagues uh, to my left I have chris mendez from Hello. itv sport hi chris hey and we have paul finney from indiars oh hello and we have Jim Mabley. Hello. Did I get it right? Yeah. Mabley from uh, first time. Yes. Uh, and you sit where? Where do you sit? Keep Usually the paddocks. Usually the paddocks. Yes. Why not? Uh, welcome. Have you noticed this week? I didn't. I didn't do my usual alright because my friend said I sound like a miserable bastard, so I can't say that anymore. I've got to sound cheerful. So hello, David. Your friend's very kind to you, saying you sound like one of them. <laughs> now he's only talking about when he listens to the podcast. He knows in real life I am a miserable bastard. So anyway, carry on. Uh, th- sorry, iTunes. That's two profanities in the first minute and a half. But not really. We'll... Not sorry, really. Not, really. not really. Okay. Um, it's not worse than some words. Let me do the. That was good. Our our little game last week was really good. If you haven't listened to the pod, we um, because Charlie Austin was sold and Connor Washington came in. Austin Washington. We did a pod full of uh, American. We missed like, the most obvious. What was the most obvious? We just played at the New York Stadium. Yeah, we just played at the New York Stadium, but um, mm. it was it was uh, there was quite a lot of action on that on Twitter. Well, we'll have to think up something for this week. Um, thank you, that car that's just gone past us and has uh, ruined the first few minutes of the podcast. So let me do what I need to do, and then we can um, get Wolves out of the way and talk about various other things. So if you're new to the podcast, you can follow us on Twitter at QPR Pod. Uh, find us on Facebook, uh, search for the new QPR podcast, listen to old episodes at qprpod.co.uk. Uh, we have a new sponsor this week. Um, you will have heard it at the start of the podcast. We're sponsored by XL Environmental, who are a pest control company. Um, I don't think they can remove any pests. Um, I can think of a few pests in blue and white hoop shirts. 
Ooh, um, controversial, David. From time to time. I was thinking of a particular Portuguese right-back. Um, but we'll move on from that. Um, just to say, they have a 10% discount for all Rangers fans. So if you need anything removed, Paul... What? Call 0845 There's a few Chelsea fans in Barnet. Does that count? Right. Queen's Park Rangers won, Wolverhampton Wanderers won. Who would like to begin? Chris? Well, it's another draw. We only need another 12 to break the record for most draws in a English in the Championship Division ever. Did you say we only need another 12? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah, 18 games left. We who's should, who's we should, the record then? We should go for it. Well, there's about uh, four or five teams equal. Everton are one of them. So we could end up finishing in a couple of years having the worst FA Cup record in the country and the most draws ever. Our goal difference is a zero. Scored thirty-five, conceded thirty-five. Just an av- just an average season. That's what it is. And that, that, the game on Saturday kind of summed it up. It was a uh, just you know kind of nullified their attack. Their attack. It was a fluke goal, which would probably quite funny for the neutral. Mm. Yeah, it just kind of feels like we're just waiting. What they should do now is just plan for next season. Well, I wonder if they're doing that. You know how in, in, in the Big Boys League, Villa have basically accepted their fate and they're already planning for next season. Well, that's how I read it. I wonder if we've we started doing that already with Austin going and yeah. rumours around <laughs> bids for Phillips. Yeah, because we're great at plans, we are. Top of the to-do list would be to... We should find some clubs that actually want to play us in pre-season. <laughs> what do you think, Jim? No, definitely. The pre-season was a complete waste of time. Um, the game, pedestrian first half, I thought, really. Other than the goal, I was bored, if mm. I'm honest, bored. Um, and my son just looked at me and went, this is awful. <laughs> and there's nothing worse than your son looking and going, this is awful. We had Wembley, brilliant. Your wife could look at you and say, this is awful. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, sorry, sorry. Carry on. No, um, I think what's... Not yours. (laughs) (laughs) Carry on. How old's your little boy? He's eight. Um, Good you just up there, Chris. Well done. (laughs) (laughs) No, um, Paul's cringing, which is quite weird. I don't think I've ever seen you cringe before. Really? Yeah. Carry on. Sorry, Jim. Go on. <laughs> no, I thought, as I say, the first half was pedestrian. Second half, first bit of it, we weren't even in it. They, they went at us. Obviously, they got their flute goal, picked up near the end, but it, it was it was pretty dire, if I'm honest. I, I didn't I didn't enjoy it. No. Which that's pretty bad, really. You go there, you want you want to be entertained at the end of the day, and it. It wasn't entertaining, was it? It was entertaining in bits. That I think that's the thing. I, I was disappointed, really. I, I would have liked a bit more gumption. Mm. Paul, give us some positives from Saturday. <coughs> uh, yes. We didn't lose, OK. I got very drunk. Yeah. That was always a positive in, yeah. in my mindset. Um, no, it was... Didn't lose. Smithies looked... He's got good handling and good feet, as they say. I think it's one of those games that we kind of we all it it, it, it kind of sums our season up perfectly. We're not going to go up, we're not going to go down. We're just going to see the season through, and then we can get a whole new squad again for next season and start all over again. And then, I mean, the best thing I ever seen on Twitter, I can't remember who put it there, is that some fellow went on and said, um, "When he dies, he wants QPR um, 
players that lower them into the ground so they could let them down one more time, one last time. And I think that's some. I was sitting beside a mate who come down from Stoke and um, with his wee lad, and I was sending you in the pub. The trouble I think we've got is that you know, the atmosphere and the match day experience is null. It's nothing these days, and they get kids to keep coming back and, and get involved in Rangers and see what we grew up with, the enthusiasm we had. It's going to be pretty hard to do because basically people are going to the game and going home. Um, there's not really much to have a match to experience. The game itself, I think that although they got a fluky goal, if the truth be told, they could have scored a few more, which is ridiculous considering they were playing. I think the third and fourth strike, where you know they, they weren't playing, the, and we got embarrassed down the flanks I felt time and time again it suffered as well that I I, I I tweeted today was when Tony did that tweet during the weekend about youth which I, I take was a kind of a, a swipe at everyone who had been working on the youth for the last few years I'm thinking well that's fine Tony but you're playing two one known player and um, Perch you're probably the worst two fullbacks I've had in, in, in a while while we're given what Perch and Koncheski yeah is that what you're saying yeah and we've got younger players that are better out in loan and sold Harriman. So the answer in, 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 to his tweet is, well, if you put 34-year-olds in front of these kids, where's the route to the first team? But, You've but, got to play them. But, yeah, he, I think the tweet you're referring to is where he said, oh, if people think our youth team's producing good players, then they're deluded or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but that's more to do with our scouting. He has to put a better scouting and network in place to get kids from a really young age now. We've had five academy heads in five years. You don't build a youth team with cheap change in the people who run it. You've got to be patient, you've got to give them a chance, and you've got to let it develop. But I think as well, if I'm being honest, Perch was a bad buy. I th- I've seen... <laughs> he shouldn't be, because at Wigan he was good. But for some reason it's not working out. Koncheski was embarrassed badly, I thought, second half. It doesn't deserve the abuse he got on Twitter. No player does, because you're not going to help players by abusing them. But I kind of think that we need to really stop looking... At certain midfielders and stop and bring a few fullbacks in. I'm, maybe you can help, Chris, being the journalist. I'm not sure Perch is a right back. He's played at right back, but I don't think that well, is where he's played his whole career. So to have him as our de facto right back, what do you kind of expect? He's but played. He's played at the heart of defence as well throughout mm. his career as well. I'm not sure. He's just a quite a versatile player. Um, Mm. I don't. I don't think he should start for us. Uh, uh, and I have to say, look, Saturday apart, I think Koncheski's done okay. I also don't think he's keeping anyone out of the team. Who's he keeping out of the team? Well, Yun. Yeah, but he's not. He never seems to be fit, does he? he? Yun. There's well, nothing wrong with him. Nothing wrong with him. Is there nothing wrong with no. him at the moment? Well, he, he he has had he has had injuries in the past, but yeah, it's sort of Brian Robson. They still played him at United. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, I'm just saying. I mean. It looks to me still we're a wee bit unbalanced. I mean, I think Ned and Hall, like I said last week, perfect. Mm, they work well. Yeah. I would actually put Henry at right back because he does at least damage there. Um, and he, he will be steady at right back more than he is in the middle of the park. I mean, the thing is about Sat- every game we do this. I don't know if you noticed this. Right? We run around for like wee short sprints, wee long sprints. Mm. Everyone runs in, runs out. Like They come in like waves and they go out. They come in, they come out. And then they spend 90 minutes walking around. So perhaps, you know, it, it doesn't seem to be urgency there. But I think Wolves were there for the take and they, they weren't a good side. No, I They're down to the Burbles. They'd lost the previous week. Yeah, and, and, and when the first goal went in, I thought, yeah, do you know what, this could be a muddle. We could actually, you know, do them. But It feels a bit like the, the, the players know they haven't really got anything to play for. 
Mm. And, and for the fans, for, for the last four or five years, we've been you know trying to stay up or trying to get promoted, and now it's just um, nothing. It seems strange to not bring on Washington sooner than he did, didn't he? You're going to be up for it on your debut. You're going to really want to score. To bring him on with eight, nine minutes to go. You're not going to see it a lot, are you? No. Let's be honest. Eight, nine minutes. I could go on for eight, nine minutes. He's still not going to see a lot. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> you need to put him on for at least 25 minutes just to get him a decent run mm. out, I would say. Uh, I don't know. Seth Hampton seemed to make it work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, well. Um, that was horrible. Watching that on match well, of the day, I don't know. Wish him all the best, really. Just, I just think he's always been the quality player. I couldn't believe at the start of the season we were at Charlton. Some aegis behind me were giving him a really hard time. Oh, yeah, Austin, yeah, but yeah. it's like splitting up with someone, and the following week she shacks up with the with the lottery winner. You on Facebook? You on Facebook? Looking at see what they're doing? Exactly. You're on. That, that's exactly what match of the day was like. It was like watching Facebook, uh, being on Facebook, and seeing her going off on a on a yacht in Monaco with the new boyfriend. That's <laughs> what it was like watching Charlie Austin on Saturday night it must be crazy to be in his shoes though because he's gone from kicking around Harlington going in doing what he does and then to be in every single news programme sports bulletin back page it must be a crazy world football mm. it really is but it also shows you that he is Cool. Um, and Southampton have really ripped us off and they should feel morally obliged to pay more money because that was just well, that was a transfer that, that, that's the, the bargain goal. of the season or if not well, the decade and it's, that's, that's mm. an obscene little amount not to pay they should, they should at least give us a training ground or something but I mean he would have gone for nothing in the summer that's the problem yeah but then there's the argument is you keep them there and hopefully you go up and you make no I still maintain I'm playing devil's if you think Southampton have only paid 4 million for him you are off your rocker they've only paid QPR 4 million for him but Charlie Austin and his agent are well aware that in six months' time he would have been a free agent and would have got a signing on fee of five, six million or whatever it is. So do you really think they wouldn't that wouldn't have been part of the calculation and part of the negotiation? Of so yes. So, so QPR, so QPR, we, QPR yeah. have only got four million. <laughs> but I'm sure they paid a great deal. But that it makes me kind of a wee bit question things because you've got the likes of Tarori and that, who are still at the club, who never play and who are on longer contracts the only decent player we get we put in a three year contract every other bugger walks in gets a five year contract true. or a lifetime yeah. mm. and you know and also it, it, we can't play a goalkeeper because he, he triggers another contract and whoever was anybody that no no what I'm saying is but it just shows you who was, whoever was doing our contracts oh, that's a nice beard you got there David thank you um, was an idiot there's no reference to anyone at all though um, shown back the injury on Saturday wasn't it what, the steward? Yeah, the steward. That was a really bad injury. Apparently he twisted his knee. But to be fair, listen, this is no laughing matter. I am not laughing, <laughs> right? But I, I see the whole thing evolve because I, for some reason, I always watch him because they always run along that, that line anyway, don't they? You must see it better than I do. And they always run along like at a certain time they, as if someone's going to go on the pitch. <laughs> like a player, perhaps. I don't know. Um, and your man just took off and went down, but like a pro, straight away his arms Straight were, away. The arm was up. I know. think he thought, oh, I've got this job. Canvas. You know, exactly, this is my moment. I can't <laughs> really be bothered to sort of crouch for the rest of the game. This is my moment to be the centre of attention. So, I mean, sorry, I hope the bloke's all right. I mean... He's tw- apparently he twisted it. He um, uh, pulled his knee out of joint. 
But the thing is, you just imagine at that point Andrew Castle popping up for an advert, couldn't you? Like, <laughs> have you got a claim to make? Not the thing that you should do. But it was, but honestly, you watch it again. The motion of him banging this—it was properly pro. I'm telling you, he—he's had his moment in the sun. Exactly. Well, good luck to him. I hope his knees all right. Okay, I think we're done with Saturday it a, now. It was a bad knee-jerk reaction to the game. I fear. We're oh, very good. No I'm not doing more jokes. Good. Um, 19 years ago today, on the 25th of January, 1997. Um, one of the one of the best, if not the best, ever goal it's was at Wigley's Loftus Road. Leads. Well, that wasn't at Loftus Road. I should have listened. Um, was scored by Trevor Sinclair in a cup game against Barnsley. Martin Allen's volley against Everton was good. Sorry, Martin Allen's volley against Everton was good. Mark Falco's against Chelsea was good. Carry on. Sorry, go on. <laughs> well, they're not here. No, but right. Trevor Sinclair is. So let's speak to him now. Trevor, we've just spent 15 minutes talking about a pretty dreadful game on Saturday at Loftus Road. We needed some good uh, nostalgia, some good memories. 19 <laughs> years ago today, since that goal, can you believe it? I feel so old. That is absolutely <laughs> outrageous. It feels like it was a couple of years ago, and the way that it's 19 years, touching on 20, two decades, very, very scary. The weird thing is, I had her name there, and so did you. Yeah, you had her. <laughs> I did, yeah. Okay, unfortunately, that's long gone. Um, I'm trying to bust it, bring this style of boldness into the arena and hope that she's on. <laughs> so, so all of us. Um, you, you had a long and varied career at many different clubs and played for England and played in World Cups. How, me- it, it, in terms of moments that people come up to you in the street about, where does that goal against Barnsley fare? Numero uno. <laughs> I've been, let's get it right. I've been dining out on it for, for some time now, and uh, even to this day, people come up to me in a pub or in a bar or wherever, and they'll say, "Wow, that was amazing." They'll buy me a drink. They want a photo with me. So, yeah, it's, listen, it's great to be um, remembered for something positive and something that you know took people's breath away back in the day. It was a was a brilliant goal. To the nearest one hundred, how many times have you YouTubed the clip of it? Personally, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Next time you see me, I might have a bigger nose. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Usually on a Monday morning when I'm feeling absolutely peeved off and thinking, how am I going to get through this week? I'll just give myself a little brief glimpse of the goal and <laughs> I'll soon walk out the house with a little spring in my step. Brilliant. The thing is, Trevor, I, I, I was there like many others and um, there was a good few seconds gasped by the crowd I don't know if you realise by the time you were mid-air and hit the back of the net that no one could quite believe you did that what were you thinking because I was thinking that's probably the greatest goal I've ever seen at Loftus Road you know what I can't even I think I had a blank out I just literally you know it's, it's like in a golf course it's not very good and, and when I hit an absolute weak shot which is very rare you can't think Wow, that was just that felt so good. And as I hit the ball, as I, as I made contact with the ball, because it did come in, with, I just thought that that's got to be close. And no. as I looked up, landed on my back, and it was nestling into the back of the net. I was just I, I, I literally had a blank out, and you know it's only from watching the video evidence that I realised what had happened and what my reaction was by just running off with um, some imaginary pistol in my hand, waving it about West London. <laughs> You, you, uh, Trevor, you scored quite an acrobatic kind of bicycle type kick for West Ham against Derby as well. Did you practice 
uh, these type of things in training? Yeah, it was something that I, was, I used to do quite a lot. You know, I think very fancy. All my managers, especially when I was young, um, when I went to Lillishaw, Dave Sexton, um, Billy Air when I was at uh, Blackpool, and Jerry Francis would always encourage me to express myself, especially in the final third. Obviously, Jerry brought a lot more discipline into my game and understanding of positional sense and um, formations, etc., which I believe really did make me a better player. And when I did, like, after my injury, it really served me served me well because I didn't have the same kind of uh, burst of speed after the injury so it did serve me well and I was glad that I listened to Jerry but all my managers encouraged me to express myself and it would, would be something that I did in training and all of the lads reacted you know in amazement as we all did when I hit that overhead kick in in reality the lads had seen me do that many times possibly not from that kind of distance but they had seen me attempt it sometimes it landed in Rosehead sometimes it went in the goal but they had seen me attempt that on numerous occasions. It's something that I used to do quite often. Brilliant. Hi, Trevor. It's James. I just wanted to ask you, um, how, how did you um, get picked up as in as your youth um, you know, footballer? Yeah, I was, uh, I was at a club called Boundary Park Juniors, which was one of the old boys' clubs. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was, you know, if, you, if I told you the names that had come through that um, boys' club, you know, uh, Nicky Buttons, Paul Scholes and and players and, and, and the Neville brothers. So, you know, it was it was a, it had great recruitment all in the well, Mainer around Manchester and Greater Manchester. Uh, they used to get all the best young young lads, and literally we used to clean up all the tournaments. And you know, even out of my team alone, Chris Makin was in that team. Um, uh, Paul Gerrard, the goalkeeper, was in that team, and a few others that probably should have made it but got lost. To, all the fun elements like uh, alcohol and women but we had a talented we had a talented group and um, basically you know from about 12, 13 I thought I might have had a chance and it was always a dream of mine and ambition and then I was fortunate enough to get picked for the um, Bobby Robson National School of Excellence and I lived in Lillishaw for two years which kind of was an apprentice before an apprentice and then when I got to Blackpool I felt like I was ready to go straight into the first team and I, and I literally did uh- Trev, we we could spend the whole night talking about that goal, but I suppose we better move off it. Um, I know you're all big time these days on match of the day and match of the day too, and talking about the Premier League. But hopefully, you've still got time to uh, still keep an eye on our results. W- what do you make of where QPR are at the moment? Yeah, definitely. You know, I've, I've been down. I went to the Derby away game. I've been to a couple of games at home. Um, I definitely keep an eye on QPR because it's. It's rare, really. I mean, I know I did well at Blackpool and I got my move to QPR, but that's where the majority of the country started hearing about me. And um, I was given the platform to, you know, show my, my ability. So I definitely got a soft spot for QPR. Um, I had a great affiliation with the fans. Um, I think it's in transition. I can, you know, I think it's over recent years, there's been, a, you know, a lot of poor, uh, I wouldn't say management, but there's been a lot of poor decisions made and a lot of players have come in that you know I think we probably all agree with weren't the best um, signings for the club and I think we lost a little bit of um, a bit of the DNA of QPR for, for me and what QPR always became successful at, and that was going to the lower division teams scouting system bringing players in that are hungry young um, got a lot of ambition and giving them opportunities and working with them and coaching them to make them into better players and players that could compete at this level. I think we lost sight of that and tried to get ready-made players that had, you know, done something at other clubs and just paid them much and they got here and, you know, they had a jolly up in my opinion. But that's 
looking from afar, I'm not sure that's what happened, but, but looking from, a ha- from afar, that's what it looked like was happening. And I think Jimmy's a great appointment, I have to say. I know Jimmy well. I played with him at Cardiff for a year. I know what he's all about. I spoke to him a few times while he was at Burton because I'm obviously coaching myself. And he's always had an open door for me to go down there and, you know, do some shadow work with him and look at what they do and what they're implementing in their training and their philosophies. Um, and I think, Jimmy, if you give him time, he will he will crack it. Um, I think he's all about hard work and teamwork. Um, I think, for me, that's the only way to succeed unless you have got a bottomless pit like a Manchester City and you can just go out and buy world-class players. Mm. I think getting that team spirit is massively important. You look at Leicester and what they're doing in the Premier League. It's not that they've got all the best players. I think it works with the players they've got. Um, and they've got a tremendous um, team spirit about them. And, you know, they've got a good coach there. They're well-organised and they've got a good game plan going into each game that adapts all the time. And, you know, I think that's a, a real lesson for any team who's not got the finances of, you know, the, the big giant clubs that you can compete if you do the work. And I think Jimmy's got that same kind of philosophy. Um, and I think if given time and he gets, especially if he gets a summer where he can bring in his own recruitment um, and, and players that he wants instead of working for players that were already at the club, I think you'll soon see um, QPR stabilising and start heading in the right direction with a younger team. Um, and of course, Les is a um, big part of the setup of QPR and Jimmy's boss, effectively, and you know him well. Do you yep. think he's the right man to um, restore QPR to its previous pre- previous successes? I hope so. I think he's been given the job on. His, his reputation as uh, being a fair guy, he's not like a, a swindler or someone who you, you associate with going into a club and, and just trying to pull the pants down for money. I think he's learning as he's in the job because obviously it's a big job to take on and there's, there may be a, a few things that he, he didn't or wasn't aware of before he took the job. I think he's a quick learner, but I think he's honest as the days long and I think he's got the, the club's well-being at, at, at his heart. So... I don't think you can go too wrong with Les. You know, he may, may have made some mistakes in the past, um, but I feel he's always looking out for the best interest of the club. And again, it's one of them. If the, if the club do stick with him, I feel he'll, he'll get it right. And, you know, the good times will come back to Loftus Road. Or a new stage if we manage to get a, a move somewhere else. Um, Trevor, you were saying you were yeah. coaching. Are you still coaching with um, Darren Peacock? Have I got that right? No, that, no, we were coaching at Lancaster City. Darren was really kind, giving me an opportunity as soon as I got back to England. I was living in Dubai for a while. And, and when I um, literally landed on the tarmac at Manchester Airport, he got on the phone, gave me a shout, said, listen, I've, I've, not, I've, I've lost my number two. Do you fancy it? I went up, met the lads, um, signed on the dotted line, so to speak. And yeah, I had a, a, 15 months um, working with Darren. And then... It, Came to a little bit of a uh, sour end. He fell out with the chairman about wanting to get some better players in for, for a little bit more money. The chairman didn't want to agree, which is, you know, quite a rare scenario. I'm sure not. <laughs> uh, then when he left, I just thought, you know, I, I was in there. I was there as a supporting role for Darren, and I didn't really want to put my name in the hat for the manager's job. Although I really had a great time working with the players. We were a great bunch, um, but I thought it was the right time for me to move on, continue doing work with the media and the BBC and stuff, and then. I've continued with my education. I'm just about to complete. Hopefully, um, on Thursday, I've got my UEFA B final practical. I've finished the pack work, all the assignments, etc. So, hopefully, if I pass that on Thursday, I will be a qualified UEFA PFA um, B coach, and then I can go on and you know do my A license. But in the meantime, I've been offered a role at um, AFC Files, 
which is a local club in the the, the well, the National North, doing very well. They've got a new stadium going up and facilities being um, completed in the summer. So I'll be looking to go in there as head, head of football development and start doing some recruitment and hopefully lean on a lot of my friends in the game um, to help me recruit and give me some tips and, and you know strategies how to get a, a successful academy and, and how to give them players a pathway to get into the first team. Now, Trevor, I hope you don't mind me asking this, but um, what strikes me from that is you're a, a decorated player for England. You've played in the Premier League for at least three if not four clubs played for QPR of course but West Ham and Manchester City you're you're a, a very well known footballer and there's been a lot of press lately of course and a lot of discussion around the opportunities given to black coaches and black managers you yeah. you, you surely can be of use to someone with all, all due respect as they say to the team in the Conference North you should be at a league club or a Premier League club shouldn't you is 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 that that narrative that that, that um, black coaches are perhaps not finding it as easy to get in the game something that you found? I can only speak from my experience. So I've got, I mean, I, I'll give you what I think afterwards. But from my own experience, I wasted a bit of time. I was coaching in Dubai. I ended up head of a, um, a very, very good um, academy there. Um, called GoPro Academy in Dubai. Very successful. We've got affiliations now with a clubs in the northwest of England and players are actually making it back to England um, going to boarding school and joining professional clubs so I think we've set up a good um, template of a, of a business plan there to, to give players that are living um, as expats abroad the opportunity then I came back home and I was like six years retired um, and it's one of them where you know you soon forgotten when you're when you're out of the country and out of sight and I had to kind of use the media in a way to get a lot of exposure and, and let people know that I was still healthy, I was still loving the game. Um, and it's been been a bit of a long um, drag. Ideally, because I live in Liven, which is around the corner from Blackpool, um, that would have been an ideal club. It's where I started my career. I signed as a schoolboy at 14. Um, they sold me to a Premier League club when I played 100 and odd games. Just got promotion with them when I was 20. And ideally, that would have been the perfect starting point for me to go in at a club um, where it'd be a little bit of a shoe on, I probably wouldn't have deserved it. But if you're talking about friends helping you out and networks and, and you know what you know, it's who you know, that would have been ideal. I approached the club, and unfortunately, the club don't seem to be uh, interested in uh, getting me involved there. I'm not sure why. Um, I would have gone in there for literally pennies just to get experience and get a feel for being around a football club again. But I think that speaks more about what's going on at Blackpool Football Club so we'll draw a line under that so I thought you know Darren offered me this opportunity in non-league and I thought why not you know I started at the bottom as a player I started in the fourth division why why wouldn't I do that in, in my coaching career because it's a completely different skill set um, and I'm, I'm really pleased looking back at it I'm really pleased I did because you know it's a, it's a fantastic ground in my last pre- my last professional game was at Wembley in the FA Cup final and my first coaching se- session I was taking a group of you know amateurs, semi-pro lads, and I studied studying dog shit on the on the training pitch, and I thought, welcome to welcome to grassroots football. So it was a good it was a good grounding for me, and uh, I think it gave me a lot more determination to want to crack it at this this game in the technical area. And and um, yeah, I feel I've got something to offer. I feel I get a good response from players of any age group, whether it's youth players, uh, young pros, or experienced pros. I get a good response from from them. Um, and yeah, I feel like I, you know, I want I want to um, 
create a future for himself in the coaching game. Um, as as talking talking about the question that you asked me about black managers, um, I don't think I, I honestly don't think it's race racism. But what I do think is um, a lot of times in coaching positions and key coaching positions at clubs in key uh, bureaucracy uh, you know positions as in directors as in um, you know chairmen as in boards I think majority wise they're of uh, ethnic um, they're of white people are, are in them positions and I think just a way of you know it's more of a class thing I think a lot of the players even today are from um, working class backgrounds and a lot of the people in, in, in them positions are not and the, the, the network and the connection is not there and I think it's one of them where um, black players will be black coaches will be overlooked because they're not mixing in the same circles and I think it, it's literally down to that then coaches themselves you know I've, I've, I've seen it myself you know you go in a club with four French lads they'll all sit together it's a natural thing and you know I don't think it's um segregation but I just think you get drawn towards people of the same um, background as you and that, if that's urban then you, yeah you'll mix with the um, black players but if it's not then you'll stick to your own and I think that's what's happened in the in the coaching world and a lot of coaches stick to their own and unfortunately that doesn't involve a lot of black players so it's not about racism it's about who you know and mm. most of the players in key positions are white. Trevor, I've seen uh, people on Twitter suggesting for you to get involved in the QPR setup. Is is that a club that you can see yourself coaching further down the line? Yeah, I'm listening. It'd be a dream job for me to be coaching at QPR. Um, but realistically, you know, for me to have to up the family, I'm a family man. I'm not going to come down and work three or four days and then come back to the northwest. So if I was realistically going to be going down to QPR, it'd have to be in a quite a senior role. And I feel I've got. A, bit more education to complete before I ever get in, offered that kind of position so listen Les knows where I am I speak to Les uh, weekly if not uh, every fortnightly and see how things are going how the club is and you know ask him a few bits and bobs I even players at times you know he's never taken me up on any of them but I have recommended players to him <laughs> um, and it's you know it's just one of them it's, you know if it's meant to be um, hopefully once I'm you know I've passed my A licence and I'm feel a, a lot more comfortable um, with what I'm doing and with my own philosophy of, and being able to get that across to a group of players then um, you know hopefully one day I could go down there and, and play a part in, in getting QPR back to where they need to be Yeah, fingers crossed. Um, Trevor, before you go I uh, just wanted to talk a little bit about England it was great to see you get a chance at the 2002 World Cup when you replaced Owen Hargreaves and then played really well um, after that um, I just wondered that if you if you did have the chance to kind of pick pick your England team at the moment, is there anyone you'd give a chance to in the Premier League that, that isn't necessarily getting that chance? Mm, good question. Um, who would I like to see in that England squad that's not already in there? Uh, I've only seen... Well, I've seen quite a bit of them in the Championship. But, you know, I feel because the Premier League is saturated with so many foreign players that some of the... Uh, any player literally playing in the Premier League has got a good chance but I just think Demari Gray I know he's only young Yeah, he plays on that left hand side for Leicester he's not played much for Leicester but even even the games he's played for Leicester already he's shown me that he's, he's got good ability and he, he's not going to be phased by it he's got raw the raw um, skill set you need he's very quick um, he's got good technique 
And I feel if he was given the opportunity on that left-hand side, it, it could be a good option. You know, we've seen Sterling um, do well in that position, but he can also play in other positions. And I think maybe if, if Demary Gray was brought in just to have a look at him uh, yeah. amongst the squad and see how he fared, I think that would be a good one. That's right. Yeah, he looked good at White Hart Lane. T- Trevor, Chris Hi, is a journalist. Chris <laughs> is a journalist and he's asking you so he can get a line from you on it. So I'm going to feed you the possible line now with a question wrapped into it. Can Charlie Austin make the Euros this summer? Why not? I mean, I already, I think I already said that on the um, final score on Saturday after he scored the goal. You know, he's, uh, he's six foot two. He, he scored 18 goals in the Premier League last season. He scored 10 in the Championship out from 16 games this season. He's a good age. Um, if he's fit and he, and he plays for Southampton for the rest of the season and scores half a dozen, eight goals, absolutely. You know, he's, he's got different skill sets. I mean, listen, Harry Kane, he, he's a similar, similar player and he's probably ahead of him. Um, but if you think happened to Harry Kane, who would, who would be the alternative? Uh, listen, I would not hesitate in putting Charlie in there. We all know what he can do, what he did at the QPR, and that was an average QPR team. He, he scored 18 goals, scoring goals from nothing, as we know. And sometimes you need someone like that, especially at international level, where chances are few and far between. So if I was Charlie, I would definitely be thinking, right, I'm going to look after myself, I'm going to get as fit as I can, and my main priority would be, one, play well for Sam Pampton, but two, I would certainly have um, the Euro um, 2016 firmly in my sights. Right. <clears throat> My question is this, Trevor, and I've waited years to say this. What's your squad for the Northern Ireland European Champions? Um, <laughs> you know, it's only took me 35 years to think of that question, but, you know, obviously Charlie uh, also could... <laughs> Connor Washington up front. <laughs> um, I, I would... Uh, now, listen, this is fantastic. I think the man is, No one gave him a chance, really. Um, I think again it comes down to team ethic believing in the managers strategies and uh, they've done outstandingly well and I, th- I think you know, they've got no pressure on them no one expects them to do anything I think they can, they can have a really really enjoyable um, Euros and don't, don't worry about answering the question, Trevor. The, the, the listeners are switching off as, as we're talking about as we're talking about Northern I, Ireland. I, I, I'm going to France. And I don't G- care. Go on, Paul. Um, Trevor. Seriously, you know that that not just that goal, but when you came to the club, we, we just lost Andy since, and um, we were thinking, how do we replace this 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 master of wing play? And you um, made us forget Andy for a little while and for quite a long while, and that goal was just amazing. So thank you for everything you've done for QPR. Oh, I'd love to see you back. At Rangers in some kind of oh, role. Very kind. Now, very kind, guys. And I was drunk for two days after that Barnsley <laughs> goal, just to let you know. So you owe me some serious that, headache that, pills. That made two of us. And, uh, and Trevor, you may have dined out for the last 19 years on that story. I've dined out for the last 20 years on the fact that I once met you at Preston Road Tube Station because um, I think <laughs> you, used, you used to live around there, didn't you? I grew up around there, and, and the rumour was always that you grew up, you, you lived around there as well in Kenton. Yeah, I used to live at Kenton, yeah. There we yeah. go. <laughs> right. You're full of knowledge. You said my Northern Ireland question was bad. <laughs> right. Trevor, thank you. Thank you. Uh, very, you're always very kind to us, um, giving us your time. Uh, thank you very much and good luck with the coaching. Good luck, Trevor. See you at Ridges soon. Take care. Take care. Great interview. What a nice film. That was a long one. Gabe, how long was that? Uh, you, do you know what? You're about to ask us what do we want to edit out. Let's not. T- let's talk about it whatever. whilst we're recording. Also, tell them about the phone. 
Tell them about the phone. You're going to say, do we want to edit out Chris's England questions and Paul's Northern Ireland questions? Let's leave him in. Let's send people to sleep. Yeah, Why not? I, 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 I generally want to know what the score that he will pick. Most you are so one-dimensional because I know you asked that so you can get a line <laughs> for work tomorrow. Most of our you? listeners are English, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. Um, right. You'd be surprised. We're huge in Northern Ireland. Um... Right, where do we go from there? Well, the big thing is, do you know what, what I got from him? And there's a lot of the old players and younger players in. When they come and talk about Rangers, it is simple affection, it's not false. But seeing Gwyn 10 years' time, I don't think you're going to get that. And that kind of shows where we've gone wrong recently. And, we, you know, again, we, we, I said the other week, we're singing old players' names at away games or other mm. stuff like that. That's because at least them guys went out there and left nothing on the field they gave their all and it'd be great to see Trevor back at Rangers because he obviously has a great affection for us and he does always talk about us when he's on TV mm-hmm. and stuff and he was quite scathing as some of the players that played for us last season and I totally agree with him it's also about getting people at the right stage of their career Trevor Sinclair was on the up like joining QPR was a was a big, big shoes big, big, big shoes it was a big move for him he had everything to prove and he went on to kind of play for clubs who finished higher up for a long, we know an IQPR went releg- got relegated after he left, but you know he, he stayed in at a high level, played for England, and there's, there aren't many players that did that uh, after he joined the club. Carlton no. Palmer played for England, definitely. Yeah. Jordy Best played for Northern Ireland. We've always seen one. Of them. No, but I'm talking about World players who played for QPR. Yeah, he, right. did. he did, yeah, he did. 2002. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he was being serious. Forget the Northern Ireland thing. I mentioned for, for a second, but being serious, I think he was another player that didn't actually realise how good he was as well. True. To be honest with you, I mean, some of the goals, well, you mentioned that West Ham goal he scored and everything else, and he, he scored another cracking goal for Cardiff a few years later as well, yeah. and for City. So everywhere he went, he scored a goal that their fans will do what we just did and talk about that that Trevor Sinclair goal. Mm. Not a lot of people can do that. Well, it's somebody tried, uh, uh, what, like he was saying, he, he tried those kind of things in training. So did I, but he should knock people out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll end, I suppose. We've got anything else to talk about? We Forest talked a tomorrow bit about night. Forest 32 tomorrow games. Night. Will that be history? Will that be history by this? How many games is it? 31. We, have, we haven't beaten them in there. We've never won there. Ever. We've never won there. Really? We've never won at City Ground. Ever. Oh, right. That must have been ever, a dream. Ever, 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 ever. And I've been there for every single one because every year I go thinking we're going to win. I want to be there to We're going to win. Them. We're going to Including the League Cup 5-2. Including the Nigel Clough hat-trick. But it is 31 games. When Mick Hotford put the side together, we lost 5-0. I've been there for them all. We're having a little podcast outing tomorrow, aren't we? We are, we bet. But anyway, can I still have my forest moon? And yeah, go on. Is this your R's end or something I else? don't care. Um, and the thing is, it's just a horrible, horrible place. The demon has to be slayed. Let's slay it tomorrow. And we can make a mediocre season, which is nothing going to happen, into a memorable season by winning the city ground. Everyone's a winner. Thanks for that. And I'm driving, so I'll be sober. R's end. This is the final bit of the podcast where we talk about anything and everything that we haven't yet brought up. Who would like to go first? Jim. Jim, you haven't spoken for a while now. I mean, that was well, like probably the longest ever phone interview we had. How long was the phone interview? It was 18 odd minutes. 18 Blimey. minutes. You can tell he works on TV, can you? Who? Trev. It's good. It's good value. <laughs> it wasn't about us. Jim. Right. I was going to talk about, um, I was looking for a holiday or half-term club for my son. QPR one. Mm-hmm. Couldn't find anything. Right. Summer, yeah, not a problem. Barnet, who are Barnet? They've got one. Why haven't we got one? I, I, I think that's shocking. So what, they've got like a half-term football camp or something? Yeah, and, you know, just 
something for the kids to do. You know, I think that's quite nice. You know, gets them involved, mm. gets the supporters for the next generation and stuff like that. So you're sending him to Barnet. Well, it's looking that way, mm. unless someone's going to give me a, a good link that I haven't found. Well, look, uh, maybe I'll play. Maybe I'll jump to the defence of, of the club here a little bit because they do quite a lot for the community, and we've had Andy Ed- Evans on before, I think. And Different remit, though. Sorry, Different remit. Well, in, in in any case, you know they tend to do a lot, but it does appear to be a bit remiss and a bit of an oversight. So to not have something at half term which we do and I'll talk about in my R's end in a minute um, Lord dear you're scaring me but um, yeah it would be nice we don't want them to going and supporting Barnet do no, we? no no we don't <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen <laughs> no it's not going <laughs> and I live in Barnet so they can say what they want I don't care <laughs> you'd have to <clears throat> carry on <clears throat> sorry go on Paul that's going to be really about Barnet Football Club and it shouldn't be because they, they have every right to support that football club in Barnet that they it's our local club it's my local club it is I once had I used to go there when I was when I was a teenager used to the weeks of QPR were I didn't go to QPR I'd have a QPR season ticket and the other weeks I'd go to Barnet for a couple of seasons that explains a lot does anyway, it um, I, I didn't clearly but I once got grief at a pub from a Barnet supporter who, who was like going you around the room you once got grief in a pub yeah I know it's that outrageous. does not sound like you I, but he did that ultimate line of like are you a QPR or you're the one and I'm like I'll take that from some people but I'm not taking it from a Barnet supporter really seriously unbelievable that wasn't my eyes in the show great story it's, it, it's a terrible <laughs> have story have you got time to tell us it again it's one of them stories like um, you see <laughs> from oh I am bored oh you can talk you, 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 we should play you the night hour so we can go to sleep with your hours end. Anyway, um, my hours end is again, again, same thing every week. Atmosphere. What is going on? It's just early sky kickoff. I get that. Ban sky for a start. I don't want sky at Loftus Road any season. Sound like Massimo Cellino. <laughs> right, okay. Oh no. No, 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 no. You just realised who that don't, was. No, I don't want to be involved with that club. But um no, but the thing is it's it's kind of like we're always crapping Sky. We must bore their viewers to death mm. and give us both a break for a while. Maybe two, three seasons, don't go on Sky again, don't have these ridiculous kickoffs. Let us just play football without the sodden cameras. Because whatever Sky bring to QPR, it's never entertainment and glory apart from the playoff final. Meanwhile, next time game. We're on Sky, aren't we? That's kind of where I was going with. Yeah. Thanks for reading that first. Well, um, I, I thought of you on Saturday. You what? I thought of you on Saturday this because I, I thought the first few minutes of the game where I it, it was actually quite a decent atmosphere. And then it were you in the off. wrong ground? Well, I just felt it. That's just what I felt in the first few minutes. Then it tailed off. But I, I did sort of note that people seem to be up for it because of the Washington factor and all that sort of thing. Jim, what's it like in the paddocks? I haven't sat in the paddocks for years. It was okay to start with, and then, it, as you say, it tailed off quite dramatically, and I could have slipped my wrist by the end, if I'm honest. Maybe we should start playing music during the game. Was that allowed? Or? Well, fair play to the club. They played, they played <laughs> Heroes the other day, which I always think would be a good song. But I don't know. I think the club needs to sit down with people, fans, whatever, and sort it out, because the family stand clearly isn't working. We need to sort that out. I know, I know people like it and then mm. they've got every right to like it but we need to come to a nice compromise where we can kind of both goal ends are quiet and I, I never sat in a family stand when I was you know I don't remember a family stand when I was a kid we used to sit in the paddocks that was a great atmosphere mm. for kids and you didn't need a designated area that was you know where the hardcore fans are going to sit that are going to chant and stuff everyone should know that and there are other parts of the ground that are good to sit in that was a great place to sit when I was 
eight, nine with mm. my dad. That was brilliant. I mean, it, it, it didn't have the same atmosphere of probably, you know, the loft and all that, but it was a nice place for a kid to sit, I think. Yeah, but I always thought that the whole ground was rocking at times at Rangers. Yeah. It wasn't just a loft. It was every part. Elsie had his part. Um, Paddock had his part. Stuff wrote their section. So, Paul, you bring this up often. What's your solution? My solution is the club get round. Don't say it. alcohol. No, God, I, I don't think. No, it's nothing to do with that. It's just there's something whether we need to bring the bars back to South Africa Road, which involves alcohol. Yeah. I'm not saying that because the match day experience. You go into South Africa Road, you go up the stairs, you go and watch a game. You can't get food at half time. You can't get a drink because the queues are too long. So you just sit in your seat. You go home. Improve the match day experience. Give the fans something to just not just be there for the football because by God you wouldn't sometimes. But the club would need to do something pretty dramatic because the atmosphere is slowly, slowly walking down Yoxby Road and not coming back. Well, you could just do yeah a competition where like you somehow detect decibel level from every fan and just give the, the loudest one a prize. <laughs> well, should they make the family stand? Like, is there a way of? Making the upper school safe for away fans, that you can make the lower school end the family area because that's never. There's no. The trouble is, there's no links to the to the school end because no one sat there, so it doesn't matter. Mm. Whereas in the loft, you had your granddad, your father, your mother, your auntie, your uncle. There's a history there, so that's why people didn't like to be moved because when, when yeah, people pass away, they're sitting beside them still, even though they're not there no longer. That's the reason why they're at QPR. So you kind of think, I get why people didn't want to be moved and they get the family connection. And that, I don't think QPR approached that with the delicacy that they should have done. Whereas the lower school end or hasn't got that. So we need to maybe f- focus on that sort of area. But then you've got the wave fans, so then you have to move the wave fans. But we need to do something because there's mm. no atmosphere at either end yeah, of ground apart from wave fans. Do you not think, though, if you, you put them in the lower school end... Really, I think that whole section should be away fans. I think that kills the atmosphere not having away fans. Do you think so? A load, having, of, a load it, of the teams in the championship can't fill. Oh, true, that, up that and is down. true. But I, I, I do think when you've got a, a team that's going to set out, I think the whole bit should be away fans because I think that adds to the atmosphere. It's my personal. Why? Opinion. Why does it need to be? I, like either the top or either the bottom is away fans. Why can't you split like half. the school end half and half and have half up and half down? Is it separate? Yeah, Isn't it separate? They go they in, in all sorts of grounds. Why can't you? Ellsley. Why does it have to be one tier is away fans and one tier is QPR? There, why can't you mix it so that you know away fans are a bit a bit at the bottom and a bit at the top? Because you'd need it. Probably they'd say you'd need a couple of rows, couple of they? seats well, for stewards. Sorts. There'll be reasons why they say, but yeah. there'll be all. But sorts. the thing is, maybe we we should start getting some bars in the ground as well. An idea. Doesn't have nothing to do with alcohol. Nothing wrong with a bar. Um, let me go quickly. So we are miles end very quickly in three Mondays time, which is Monday the fifteenth of February. We it's half term week. One for you, Jim. Maybe uh, it's half term week, and we're going to do a half term scheme, so to speak. We're going to do a kids special on Monday the fifteenth. We're going to have. Same-ish type podcast, a few of us, but we are going to invite a handful of young QPR supporters in um, to give us their thoughts on QPR, tell us who their favourite players are, tell us why they support um, the club. Could go all wrong, don't think it will, I think it will be a laugh. Paul, you're going to have to behave. Um, don't, don't, don't look or look like, what are you even talking I about? Have, I have Matt. a young teenage daughter. I yes, you do. Ball, you so do. I, no, I we're going to have a kid special and we are going to invite um, one child, 
nephew, niece, whoever, of a listener to come on. So what we're asking for is if you know a young person who would like to come on, who would like to kind of get in front of the mic and answer a few questions on QPR and join us here in the studio, we're going to do a competition. We ask either on Facebook or email or Twitter, send us in their name, age, favourite player and why they love QPR and we are going to pick one person from that list to come in and join us with a few other kids on the 15th. Chris. If the dads and mothers can buy me a cider, they're a winner. Carry on. <laughs> Chris. My hours end is I just want to congratulate uh, QPR's ladies for proving that QPR can win an FA Cup game. You're not wrong. <laughs> you are not wrong. <laughs> and congratulations they're now through to the next round after beating Chichester 4-3 yesterday. Congratulations oh. to them. By the way, did anyone notice the um, new signing on Saturday, returning after a long absence? Spark. Ooh. Anyone see Spark? Spark the cat. I thought QPR were missing a spark on Saturday. Yeah, very good. Uh, I, I, Paul was weighing that one up. I, no, I know who it is. I just, I just, I, 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 I'm lucky if I see kickoff. To be fair, <laughs> it's true. It's a long right. walk from the Crown Scepter. Um, Gabe has got a home to go to as he's no, signalled he to us several times in the last 10 minutes. He, he, um, he, needs, he needs to see a dress designer. No game this weekend, so um, in all likelihood, no podcast. We will let you know if there's Share an exception to that. Tomorrow, Share our predictions for tomorrow, which 75% of people will know the result by the time they listen to it. Um, Paul? 3 0 Rangers. No. Jim? 1 1. When I think we're not going to win, I go draw. So 1-1. One, one. <laughs> I think it's going to be a draw. I don't know why. It's just something tells me they're going to draw again. Very good. Right. Yeah, hit you all. Thank you all for listening. This has been Open All Hours, a QPR podcast. The QPR podcast is a West 12 media and verbal media production. The QPR podcast is sponsored by XL Environmental, a pest control company based in Northolt and the Southeast. They provide for all your pest control needs, along with bird control, hazardous waste removal and ground maintenance. And they're Rangers fans, so if you call them on 0845 11 mention our podcast for a 10% discount. QPR! QPR! Rangers are on the